Welcome to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. We're your hosts, Abby and Chris. You'll hear informative discussions full of valuable expertise and actionable insight on the issues you face when launching and growing your startup. This is episode 12 of the Radical Departures podcast. Our guest today is Anne Ravenona, founder and CEO of Global Invest Her. It's a global community and platform that helps women entrepreneurs learn about funding and get investor ready to get funded faster. In this episode, Anne walks us through some of the brutal statistics and why most of the investment world is missing out on so many great ideas. The funding gap between men and women entrepreneurs is enormous. Anne's mission is to close that gap and teach women how to navigate the complex system. So without further ado, here's episode 12 with Anne Ravenona. So we're here today with Anne Ravenona, and welcome. Thank you very much. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're working on? So I'm an Irish and half Spanish woman entrepreneur, passionate about giving a voice to women entrepreneurs and women investors and helping demystifying the funding journey for female founders looking for funding. So just on this mission to get more women funded. And what's your background? How did you get started with this? Um, I have a long, complicated background, like a lot of women. I have worked in many different things. I've done a lot of business development throughout my career, and I've done a lot of pitching for big, big corporates doing multi-million dollar deals. And I did win those deals because I listened to the customer on the other side, and I made sure to understand who they were and give them what they wanted. And then I worked in leadership development and management development training. But the big moment came for me, Abby, um, when I turned 40 five years ago. And I said to myself, oh, my God, what do I want to do with my life? I have to put together women, leadership, global business and just try and solve a real problem. And I went to an event with a female founder speaking in London in 2012. And I put up my hand from the audience and I asked her what was her greatest challenge. And she said it was access to funding. Mm. And this light bulb went off in my head. And I said, really, is it harder for women to raise money? So I started to read the research and I came across. So I got curious and I came across a statistic from the World Bank saying that the funding gap between men and women was $300 billion, which is about three quarters the equivalent of Facebook's valuation. And that made me very angry. So I got angry and I said, right, I want to try and and close that gap because we are missing out on so many opportunities by not funding women-led businesses. So I decided that's what I want to do. I want to help close that funding gap through creating a safe space for women to learn about funding and help connecting women leaders, uh, you know, fantastic female founders with great investors who believe in them. So that's what I do. One of the issues that popped up last year, a lot of people were talking about the fact that of it could just be U.S. startups, but I think it's a bigger, it certainly goes beyond just the U.S. It's 17% of startup founders are women. It depends on the sector. I think globally, about 27% of all companies created around the world every year is by women. It it oscillates between 27 to 30%. I think in Rwanda, it's the highest. Rwanda and Nigeria, it's like nearly 40% of new businesses are set up by women. Where women are also very highly represented, it's that's something that I think in perhaps in Europe and the U.S. we often ignore that women in politics in numerous African countries 
there's a lot more equality there in as far as representation is concerned, a lot more. Yes, it's starting. I know, I think certainly South Africa are real leaders on that. I think with the great changes that came after apartheid, more and more women got elected. So I know they're really strong in that. And Rwanda, because of the genocide, there were more women who had to kind of clean up the country and and get things going. But I think globally, again, the Global Gender Gap Index from the World Economic Forum, I think it says that it's about 11% of women in politics kind of worldwide. It's ridiculous. Well, even in the the US, where where we're supposed to be very progressive, uh, representation in Congress is... uh, Pathetic. It's embarrassing. (laughs) In parts of Europe, you have some that are better than others, but it's still, it's a significant gap. Yeah, and I think there's a positive Trump effect in that there are more women now going for politics in the U.S., which is a good thing, and Mm -hmm. we're starting to see that. So I think that's a good thing, and I want to see more of it. Yes, yeah, we have to find some good after that. I think that's the only positive, one of the (laughs) only positives, yeah. But we're not going to get political here. (laughs) (laughs) So the other issue that we've seen with startups and women is that women receive less money. What's happening with that? So I think it's something that people don't really know, and I will keep talking about this, these statistics, depending on which research you read, whether it's pitch book or crunch base, the statistics vary. Today, about two to 7% of venture capital goes to women-led businesses and about 15, 16% of seed capital goes to women-led businesses. Now, those statistics makes my blood boil because what percentage of the population are we ladies? 51%. So that means we are ignoring half of the world population and half of the innovation. I look at issues like that and think, oh my gosh, this is an enormous missed opportunity. Absolutely. Because the entire world is not a bunch of tech bro guys, white guys from Northern California. That's just, I mean, come on. Well, you know, the funny thing is, Chris, that when I interview male investors, and just investors in general, but male investors, and I ask them, I say, what percentage of women, like of your portfolio are women? They cannot answer the question because they don't count. And that is a big issue because there's a lot of things that will come to what are the challenges and so on. But I think one of the key things is we need to repeat the statistics to say that the funding gap is $300 billion, right? That is, and now thankfully we have more statistics saying that if more women created businesses and were really involved in the global economy, we can improve and increase GDP. Each country has their level that it shows the impact. If we know that only seven, let's say 7% of funding goes to VC funding goes to women-led businesses, and of that, it's like, it's ridiculous. I think it's less than 1% of VC goes to women of color. Excuse me, what percentage of the world and the women in the world are women of color? I mean, hello? So we are missing out on incredible consumer markets and just innovation uh, to solve problems for the world. So we need to realize not enough funding is going towards women and there are not enough investors because guess what? There is a correlation in the statistics and the number of female venture capitalists. Like it's only about seven to eight percent. It's gone up, I think, to eight percent. Wow. In a year. Wow. It's suddenly gone up by one percent. Again, when it comes to angel investors, so those private investors investing their private money, smaller amounts, it's still in the US only around 20% of angel investors are women. Now, the interesting fact, and I do, why do I shout these statistics out? Because guys listen to statistics. So if most of the money's in their hand at the moment, guys, you're missing out on a fantastic opportunity. Listen to diverse businesses. Just open your ears because you want to make money? 
guess what? Kaufman Foundation found in 2014 that high-tech companies set up by women founders had a 35% higher return on investment and 12% higher revenues than male-led tech companies. You want to make money? Invest in women and invest in diverse women. Now, what do you think the driving issue is with that? Why are women companies, why do they perform better? Why do they perform better? I think number one is because the funny thing is we perform better with a third less capital. That's ridiculous. So if you want somebody to look after your money and give you a return, women will look after money and probably make better decisions when it comes to where the money gets spent and how it gets spent. So I think that's one thing. I think the other thing is that we tend to serve markets. We listen more holistically to the market needs. And so we have a more of a 360 degree approach when it comes to any problem. So if you're listening very carefully to your customers and giving those customers what they want, you will get a higher return. And that includes your investors. I think part of that is that women care deeply about the companies they create. They care how it gives back to the people in their company, how it fixes the problem and how it improves their community. I'm not saying men don't care. It's just they're more short-termist. So they will look for short-term invest, you know, returns, which is what VCs want. They want a return in three to five years. Women tend to look in much more longer term and we manage risk differently and we analyze risk differently. So we do take risks. We're not risk averse. We are risk cautious. We take more into account before making decisions and we listen more to other people. We're more collective when it comes to collaborative, when it comes to taking in other people's opinions. So of course, you'll have a better solution if you listen to more people. And is it true, I've read also, that women founders tend to ask for less money as well? Yes, they do. And that is a big problem. I'm always saying, you know, think big, believe in yourself and ask for more money. Those are my three mottos that I always (laughs) share. And I think we do ask for less money. Well, can you blame us? Because we're not actually getting it. Even when we go for it, like when I think it was last year, they said that $1.5 billion in the US went to female-led startups and it was five point something billion going to male-led startups. So if we're only getting access to a quarter of it and actually, you know, at that level, what's your confidence in the system? And when I interview investors and I say to them, like, what do you think about female founders? And a lot of them say, oh, they're risk averse. I've just mentioned that. That's actually not true. Because they see fewer women walking through the doors, they see them as a less interesting opportunity. So there's a ripple effect to that and a double whammy, negative double whammy. Vicious circle. is a vicious circle. So women need to ask for more money. So also because when we are raising our rounds, when we do projections, we give figures we know we can really make. And the guys will give completely off the charts. That is such an issue that has driven me insane for years. With every startup I was ever at, everybody would want these numbers. And I'd say, we don't know. So how can I give you something when we don't know? And they just want big, bloated numbers. And I thought, this doesn't make any sense to me at all. Because I find it... uh, hard to deal with giving this ridiculous number, everybody pumps up a ridiculous number, and then predictably everybody misses that, and then you think, oh, geez, boy, was that a flop, when instead we should be picking a realistic number, and then you say, we achieved it, I feel good about this, and I think there's a ripple-on effect that we just feel better when we actually do achieve 
our goals. That is one of my pet peeves. Is oh, I, I, can, I can hear it in your yeah, voice. You're getting passionate about it, it and getting it's angry. Just, it's, I, can it's, hear it. I don't think it's constructive for anyone. It isn't. But you see, that's the thing is when you're pitching for venture capital money, the investors want a super sexy, big opportunity. They want a big market size. They want to see how much of the market you're going to capture, how much of a return you're going to give. So they want to hear the big story, which is a problem because... Therefore, a lot of founders will fall into that trap and give these very bloated numbers. Women do not feel comfortable. The women I've interviewed, they say to me, I feel like I'm lying. I don't want to give a figure I cannot reach. And the guys misinterpret that as being risk averse. This reminds me of how uh, women will not be as confident in saying that they can do a job if they don't have 100% of the competencies, where men will have 70%, but lie and say that they can, you know, do it's it very and true. they end up getting the jobs. I know that from, we have a, a webinar that we call Own the Moment, which is for female founders who are pitching to male investors. We basically help them to understand these are the biases in the heads of male investors. These are the biases in your own head. And these are the differences in brain, in, in how our brains are wired. We have the same brain, but they're wired differently. And there are some small physiological differences in, in the chemistry and in the structure. And there is part of the brain that we call the worry center. It happens to be four times bigger in women. And also our brains do take in a lot more information. We do, our, our brains do as women. And therefore, we take in more information for, to make a decision. That taking more time to make a decision is because we're processing more factors into the decision. It can be perceived by male investors as being cautious. So we need to break. It's just we're different. And those, those differences, guess what? They're super complementary. You can have somebody super aggressive and so on, somebody else holding them, like saying, hey, 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 hold on. And coming to the middle between using those both strengths is where you're going to get a realistic number, valuation, et cetera, et cetera. There was a very interesting. I love CV Insights. I don't know how much you follow them. I think they're, they're great. yeah, they're really, really interesting. They had something not that long ago about the success rate of VCs. We're talking thirty percent. And it's I look at that and I think, <laughs> yeah, and I look at that and I think, gosh, that's a pretty low number. Maybe this might be an opportunity to look at something, reflect. How can we do better? When, in fact, then they want to reinforce these beliefs that give them a pretty low number. Because one of the issues there, Chris, is that investors invest in what they know and feel comfortable with. And if you are a white man, you will feel comfortable with and invest in another white man, whether they're good or not. So if you are a woman or um, a person of color um, or somebody who has another difference, you may not be taken as seriously. In fact, that is the biggest challenge, I think, for women. Coming back to your question, Abby, it is that women are not taken seriously by investors. And this happens throughout our career, again, because we're different. So I think the more that's a great opportunity, like we were saying, I don't want to cry on these issues. I give these statistics, say this is where we're at. We can only get better. We want to get better. We cannot let it happen like what's happened in the computer science sector where, you know, in the 80s, there were 36%, I think it is, something like that, of, of students who were women and graduates. And now it's like in the low 20s. It's gone worse. That's something I don't get from my work and going around the world with different startups. It's something that 
okay, uh, in Russia you have quite a few women, you seem to have more women, in Israel, heck, even in when I used to go down to Brazil, I was always, I, you know, I thought of Brazil in a certain way, and I was like, wow, there are a lot of women. Uh, I, even in Portugal, I used to work with a large organization down there, it was a large bank, and one of the very top people there was a, a woman IT director, and you have a lot of that, but why do the numbers keep going down? I think, again, it comes back to the bro culture. <laughs> so it means, again, because guys feel comfortable. If you are a guy and you're sitting in a room with a sea of computers with guys on headphones, if you're a guy interested in the code, that's fine. But women, we like to talk and we want to talk and we want to interact with people. And we're not going to like being sitting in a room with geeky posters that do not relate to us. You know, with ping pong tables and who cares? I mean, the guys need to go and be competitive and that's good for them. They need that's Guys need to boost the testosterone. They need to release stress doing that. We do it differently. We do it by talking. But we do. We release stress differently. Um, when a woman goes super quiet, you should be worried. <laughs> it's true. It's There's something going wrong. One lesson I've learned. <laughs> I know that. I know that. But, I mean, the thing is, the problem is the environment, the work environment isn't conducive to making everybody feel included and welcome. That's what we're talking about. And so whether it is, whether you're in a computer science program where everybody you see is guys and they all huddle together and then they come up with banter and stuff that may not be appropriate around you and they don't care. They do not realize that it's inappropriate and you get tired being the token woman have to say, sorry, that's inappropriate until you get tired of walking off and you're excluded. And you know, in business, it's if you don't play golf, you're not out with the guys. And if you're not out late at night in the bars, There is this male mode of business that has been in place for 100 years to which women have been excluded. But I think the opportunity is now for us to say that system no longer works. If we want to create more value in our global economies and create work for everybody, we have to be more inclusive and we have to create more gender inclusive, gender intelligent workplaces where everybody can be themselves and bring their best person to work. And that means not being afraid to be sexually harassed, being know that when you give an opinion, it's going to be valued and heard and not put down, that when you go for a promotion, that you will be properly graded and properly taken into account. All of those things do not happen on the proper way for women at the moment. And I think until we have more women leaders right at the top, and that's a problem, very few percentage of women CEOs in the Fortune 500 now have one, I think, in France in the Cacahont, but it's one out of the 40. We still have a long way to go. So we need to create a more inclusive environment. And that means there's a magic number. That magic number is 30%. When you start to have over 30% of women on boards, 30% women in the teams, that's when you start to see that change. And we need to get to 30% of women investors, 30% in, in both VC and so on. Then you're going to see a change. And to do that, the guys have to be feel comfortable that they're, you know, there is a space for everybody and that their jobs, they're not just going to be kicked out. It's a very difficult problem to solve. One area that used to fascinate me, and I don't have any answers, I don't know why, but I spent a lot of time working together with Microsoft. And one of the Microsoft technologies, it's a, an internal product that a lot of organizations, a lot of big organizations use called SharePoint. And in the SharePoint community, there were a lot more women and a lot more women who were running, I mean, SharePoint's a pretty big product in organizations. I mean, any of the big organizations here are probably using it. And for some reason, that sector 
was like when I deal with developers, okay, you never see women. But in the SharePoint world, there were a lot of women running SharePoint installations, and they had a very high profile in that sector. And it makes me think, I mean, are there some organizations, some companies out there that do better than others? Are there some, I mean, obviously the numbers are low. There's plenty of room for improvement everywhere. But are there some that you say, they're doing this well, we need to keep moving, but they're doing it well? Well, I just want to come back to the SharePoint thing. Just think about the name of the product. So that just the name is inclusive. It's a more collaborative it's product. It's a more collaborative. So that makes a difference. And so if you're saying you want to work as an investor in a fund that invests in different sectors, but also wants to welcome founders of diverse backgrounds, then you want to be part of that story. You know, there are some venture funds who are doing a good job of that. I mean, there's um, we know that Capital One, First Capital are doing great. 500 startups, again, it's more of seed capital up to Series A. And they were started, you know, they've had some issues, as we know, with their leader. However, the team who are there are still doing an amazing job. And they have most prolifically invested in diverse founders, both ethnically, all types of orientation, gender and nationality, they do a great job of investing in diverse founders because they were founded on the premise that they wanted to invest in the biggest untapped markets with the biggest potential. And that was namely people of minorities, people of color and women. And guess what? The minorities aren't real minorities. People of color are definitely not a minority. They are the majority and women are definitely not a minority. So when we start to include people so the companies who get it, and we're seeing more funds, thankfully, being set up by women. You know, there's Astia Angels, who've been, that's an angel group. Golden Seeds in the US are the biggest seed investor. They invest in both men and women, but they do invest in a lot of women. And, you know, the VC funds are getting more and more women investors. Um, Arlen Hamilton from uh, Backstage Capital, she set that up, I think it's only a year or two ago, to invest in women of color, women of different sexual orientation, to be completely inclusive. She saw a gap in the market. She said, hey, you know, these women need funding too. They've got great products and great things, so let's help. So there are great examples out there, and we need to showcase them. And that's Part of the work that I do as a, an advocate, a women's advocate, is through the interviews I show, showcase women investors, women entrepreneurs in the Huffington Post, because I want to show you have to see what you can be. And I want to show these amazing women in corporates, in VC, angels and entrepreneurs doing a great job. There's a VC fund here that just launched recently in the education. They in, invest in education startups, I think primarily in Europe, it's not an insignificant amount of money that they have, but the, the founder is a woman and they seem to be getting, you know, some good things happening around the market. Yeah. And Daphne as well mm -hmm. is another fund here set up by a great woman uh, VC. But again, when you look at VCs across, like in the US is a fantastic, if you look, I'm so happy, Forbes 30 under 30 in the investors section there are 10 out of the 30 that are women. It's the first time, the first year I've seen it. And I happen to know a couple of those women. I'm proud to know them. And I'm like, just amazing. Ellie Galbert from SoGal Ventures. And she set up two VC funds, SoGal Ventures and A-Level Capital. And she's 28. You know, A-Level Capital, she started up as a fund to fund students in John Hopkins University where she studied. And then she got together with Pocket Sun and they formed SoGal Ventures. And they've already invested in over 40 women-led startups in two years. They are phenomenal. There is a new wave. Ladies, there's a new wave. And gentlemen, there's a new wave. You got to get in on this. 
So tell us more about Global Investor. So we are a global platform and community to help women entrepreneurs learn about funding in a safe place. I say why a safe place? Because it's such a macho world. (laughs) It's important for us to have our own place to connect with other women entrepreneurs, to learn from successful female founders about how they raise their money. So when I started out interviewing women entrepreneurs five years ago, I just said, if you had a magic paintbrush and you wanted a solution, what would it be? And they said, I want to learn from the women who got the t-shirt, the women who raised the money. I want to know how they did it because they broke all the barriers. And I want to learn from investors. What do they want? What are they looking for? So I can give it to them. And so I created Global Investor with, on our platform, we have a product called the Roadmap to Funding, which shares the exclusive funding journeys of already 40 to 50 female founders, how they actually did it. They raised between 150000 to $200 million. Now, the $200 million is Eventbrite. So if you want to know the real backstory about how they got that money, you come and join us. It's a $49 monthly subscription that you can switch off when you've learned everything you need to learn. <laughs> but we have those exclusive funding journeys from A to Z about how they did it, their challenges and how they overcame them with practical key tips so that you can learn. I really think you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Learn from the women who've done it in your sector and in other sectors. And on the other side of it, we also have exclusive interviews with investors and we get to know them and basically my deal with the investors is listen guys and ladies tell me everything you want to know give me this brain dump and I will share it to the female founders so they're better prepared when they come to you and they're choosing you because you're a right fit so again if you want to do investor research you know you can do that there we have great practical tools and templates for you to manage all your investor meetings and manage that information in an organized way what do you need to do for your pitch and so on So on the platform, you can get the roadmap to funding. You can also take part in our our webinar. We do them quite frequently, which is Own the Moment. So how to pitch to those male investors. How do you get through to them? So that's what we bring together, the knowledge about pitching, the knowledge about the female founders and investors, what they want, and the brain science of how we're different and therefore how you need to adapt it to the pitch. And the final kind of key part we have is mentoring programs. So we can match you up with a mentor for six months. So it's not a one hour quickie, you know, it's six months, you get two hours with your mentor. It costs $599 for the six months. It's $100 a month. If you're actively looking for funding and you want somebody to help you who's been through the process or we target market, it could be somebody who's an executive in a big company and you need to break through their key. Come on, be mentored. These are people who want to help women entrepreneurs. So the community, we have a great Facebook group where we curate information. It's only on funding. It's only about female founders and it's global. And today we have over 600 members who've signed up to the platform. Those members, it's all free for the moment, but it's going to get paying soon. So get in there while you can move (laughs) because we really want to, to help to change, create a space where women can come in, learn about funding and go and get funded. And at the different stages, whether you're an early stage, you're just starting, you want to learn, whether you're, you've started going to pitch competitions and you want to reach out and get some help, you can practice your pitch with us. We do that as well. And yeah, it's the safe space that didn't exist before. And it's only, as I say, for women entrepreneurs, only based on funding. You can get the business, growth, scaling, all that other stuff elsewhere. But we just want to focus on the funding piece. Well, and it is. It's like a big puzzle that if you, comes back to the saying, if you don't know, you don't know. And it's something that I think can be overwhelming. Oh, it you, is. And especially, I think, if you look at some of the statistics, they can be overwhelming, too. And so it is nice to have something where there's very practical help 
because sometimes some of the advice you see out there, it's, uh, you know, buy high, sell low. It's, it's so ridiculous. I think, oh, come on. Uh, we, Abby had shared a, a video with me uh, maybe yesterday of somebody who's a somebody in the States. And there were such broad generalities. I thought, okay, but how does that really help with, you know, you need practical help. You need you, practical you, help. The big story, okay, it's great, but you kind of need to know, all right, where do I start? Because you can see this huge, it's this huge mountain and I need to start. So where do I start? Exactly. And it's you need to understand that funding is a game. It has players, it has rules, and it has a prize. The prize is the money at the end of the day. And that funding is just a tool to give you fuel your business to grow your business it's not the be all and end all and some people think and see funding as a sport and as a an amazing uh, thing that they need read to do. my mind because i was thinking exactly that <laughs> it's the first step yeah. in it's a big step it's uh you know perhaps uh, the everest uh, this is uh, uh the hillary step but you still need to get up to the top yeah. it's there's still more that's maybe it's actually lower than the hillary step because it's much lower on the mountain you still have to do a lot of things to achieve that success whatever that success is you do and so like in order to get funded you need to become a fundable business and that's the main thing and not every business is going to be a fundable business it's like you need to know what kind of company you want to become do you want to have quite a lot of staff? Do you want to have different products? Do you want to be international, etc.? If you want to be a mom and pop store or have a pop, you know, an e-commerce site where you can do things remotely and remain small and you just want to provide for your family, which is fantastic, and manage your own lifestyle, lifestyle businesses are great and they're a subsection of the economy and they really are an important part of our global economy. And if you want to become a bigger company, then you will probably need funding to fuel that growth. And so this is like we exist, Global Invest Her, to help give you that confidence and to say, OK, I'm going to break this down into steps. There are there's a language I need to learn. There's all these terms. What the hell do these things mean? So I need to learn about funding. What's a VC? What's an angel? What is vesting? What is all this stuff? That's a totally new language. I need to learn that stuff. There are new players in this. So what are investors and what do they look for? And what do I need to give them like it is information and the game is that pitch it's a performance you need to play the game and give them the performance the way they want it if you go in and start doing things differently and that's why it's a challenge for women it just doesn't get heard the same way the five minute three minute pitch was made by men for men women need more time because we go into more detail and we want to connect we're relational we want to connect with that person which you do not have time to do in three minutes the guys come in and it's done it's not the same thing. So we need to change the system. I really think that funding, the whole funding system is ripe for disruption. And I want to be part of that catalyst. I want to be a catalyst in that. And I want Global Investor to be catalyst and say, hey, ladies, we can do this differently and better. Just because it has always been the way it has been up until now doesn't mean it has to be that way moving forward. And, you know, crowdfunding is just six years old. Equity crowdfunding is six years old. You know, microfinance, Muhammad Yunus, nothing existed like that before. I want to help create something new, a new vehicle for funding women entrepreneurs. What can that be? I don't know yet. But if you are listening to this and you are on this mission and you want to join me, please reach out to me. Easy. And at globalinvestor.com because we need to connect our tribe. So if you're serious about trying to create a new funding mechanism or pulling together all our networks instead of us all being in our own countries doing different bits of this how can we come together 
I want to hear from you. Please reach out to me. You were raising a point that it made me think back to when Abby and I started talking to some of these people and some of the people that we've had interaction with, whether we maybe didn't even do a podcast yet with them. And Abby, you were saying, oh, these people, they use all this, they throw in all this technical stuff. And I think when you're not familiar with it, even when I don't know the words, I've heard it for so many years. So it's easier for me to kind of cut through and I think it's a bit laughable and it's just part of the game. But when you're not familiar with it, it can seem, what in the world are they talking about? Exactly. It's super intimidating because I remember some of the women I interviewed very, very early on, just as like my market research, I talked to about 250 women entrepreneurs about their experience raising funds or looking or learning about it. And they were like, and it's so intimidating to me. I feel like you have to kiss a lot of frogs to get your prints. <laughs> or I feel like I'm, I'm jumping into a swimming pool or into shark infested waters with just armbands. Like, that's how I feel. And I just think they're so graphic, the images. Because it's like, oh, my God, I'm going into the big unknown. I'm feeling very vulnerable. I'm feeling very naked. And I don't know how this is going to be for me. And when women are coming, we often come to things with a lower level of confidence because the system has beaten us down. And just society has kind of beaten things out of us from a very early age. We're told to behave a certain way, to look a certain way, to please people a certain way. And if you are more assertive and you don't meet that mold, you get labeled. And labels are just things that people put on us to have power over us. So I don't want anybody to have any power over women entrepreneurs. We have our own innate power. And I think we can bring about big change in the world if we're given the same access to opportunities. That's what I'm asking for. I'm not saying we want special treatment. We want special funds. No, give us the same access. That access today is $300 billion of a difference. So give us access to that because we can, if we have... If I'm a woman in Africa and I need to buy some more goats to feed my family and to provide an income and then to start to give education and to move things forward, how can I get access to money? If I am a small-time entrepreneur in Germany and I don't know where to start, what co-working spaces, where do I feel safe? Where do I feel welcome? So we need places to feel welcome. They don't exist on a global scale yet. And so I think if we connect the dots between co-working spaces, women's networks, entrepreneur networks investors and bring them all together, we can do something great. And there's a, a new initiative being started by women VCs in San Francisco. Just I read about it like two days ago and I was sharing about it. And basically, these are women VCs who are saying they're given the opportunity to 40 early stage women led startups to come and meet them for an hour. So you have to try and get access to one of them for an hour. But you can choose which one you want to talk to. And even if you can't get to talk to that person, you can come and network with those people for an hour. And these are some of the top women VCs. So they're starting with C, they're going to do Series A in a few months, and then they're going to do Series B, and then they'll go back around. And they're like, and we want to do this into a platform. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to reach out to them and say, hey, ladies, we've got to join forces because we want to bring together talent with talent that has not been recognized. That's what it's about. We need more role models. And, and I think there are... Women in mobile, there are women in AI, there are networks that are sprouting up all over the place. Like women in tech is now too vast. Mm -hmm. It's now getting into the strands that it should, which I think is good. I just don't want to ring around. I was looking for it. That organization that's just starting is called femalefounder.org. So it's like female founder office hours. We need to see more of these. And I want to do 
a global conference to bring together women VCs with women entrepreneurs as well in the future. So, you know, come to me. I'm looking for sponsors. I know the speakers. I've already done the design. I know what I want to do to bring value and to help more women to learn how to become investors, angel investors, to get the women VCs connected in Europe and the US and give practical tools and tips and confidence to those female founders. So come join me on this mission. We can do this together, but we have to join forces. So that may be part of our answer, but a question we like to ask everybody is, how do you define success? I think personally, success means being true to myself. And that's hard to be authentically true to yourself, to say, okay, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is my personal mission in life. And for me, success means I want to create a a global movement to close this funding gap. And I want to see how I can be a catalyst. I can't do it by myself. I don't want to do it by myself. So how can we bring together this woman's army to create change and goodness and innovation and value creation in the world? And also on a personal level, for me, success is being a good wife and mother. I want to be able to have quality relationship with my husband, with my kids, so that they don't feel like they're already big feminists, both of them. I'm so proud of them. I mean, they're 16 and and 13, girl and boy, and they already get it. They understand that in life you have to respect. My greatest values are respect and equality. So I feel that, you know, that's what I want to bring about in my kids and that they respect. And I always remember a few years ago as an anecdote, watching the film, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? You know, it's Sidney Poitier, fabulous film. I watched it with my daughter. It was a few years ago. She was younger. And I was trying to remember, were there any kind of not good scenes that she couldn't watch? But I remember, no, it was okay. And there came to the moment where Sidney Poitier Poitier arrives to the dinner and he's introduced to the parents. And of course, they're having this very negative reaction towards him because of his color and not recognizing the love that between them. And my daughter was really annoyed. She says, but I don't understand what's going on here. Like, what's the problem? He's a gorgeous guy. and He's so handsome, Sidney Poitier. And she says, I don't understand the problem, you know. And her grandfather is of color. You know, he's got darker skin. So she, for her and, her, and her grandmother isn't. So first, that's what she sees as normal. And she couldn't understand what the problem was. And I was so proud of her. I said, geez, she was maybe <laughs> nine or ten. And I'm like, yay, that's good. You know, my son is the same when he hears something. Sometimes I don't like when we say female founders. People say it all the time. And I was like, male, female, we're not animals and so on. You know, but I've come around to using the term a lot more because it's just being used in the industry. Having said that, though, I remember having said, saying it to my son. He's like, oh, mom, they said female. And he's like, that. <laughs> I was like, yeah. But they fight up for what's for injustice already. And that I'm proud of. So for me, success is bringing two amazing young people into this world who I think are going to make a difference in whatever way they choose, supporting them to make that difference and having a successful marriage with my husband. I want to be with him <laughs> forever. So keep working on that and making a difference in funding for women entrepreneurs. That's a big ask, you see. (laughs) (laughs) That wraps up another episode of the Radical Departures podcast. Thanks for listening. Support us on Patreon. And join us next time on Radical Departures.